This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom, everyone, and welcome back to Sunday's Live with Rabbi Yom Tov, and this time here in Sfat, the holy city of the north of Jerusalem. There are four holy cities in Israel. Jerusalem is fire, and they pertain to the elements. So Jerusalem's fire. That's where you normally hear this class. Then uh, Hebron is earth. And then the, the, the Tiberius is uh, water. And Tzfat is air. And Tzfat is actually a wonderful place to do the work we're going to be doing this month. Though I'll only be here probably for this session. Um, we are going to be doing something based in the Kabbalah for the next three weeks. And that is the, the actual personality system that the that that we learn in Torah of how human personality works. And it's there's gonna be a lot of deep insights, insights into yourself, into um, um, others, um, under, anyone who's single to understand like what kind of uh, partner to look for in life. Um, all of these all of these are um, are things we'll learn from this, but it's also professions and and uh, I mean just everything like uh, to succeed in life is all within this. And so what we're calling this class is called the gift because you are the gift and God's the giver and He created you. It's a special gift that God created by creating you, and it is our. You know, our, our, we got to know what the gift is. You know, you got to know what you're doing with this gift of yours and use it right and get your, make sure you have your factory settings down properly and make sure you're also compensating for the, the parts of you that are not, um, you know, that are not the, exactly in your, in your zone. Like how do you deal with things that are out of your zone? So we always start with a song. I have my uh, my buddy's guitar here. Let's see if I can back up. See the top of me a little. I'll move this camera back. Can you hear me okay over there? So we have a, a great saying by our sages in it's in the ethics of our fathers, Pirkei Avos, that says um, that you shall make yourself um, great or what it literally means is you have to have a mentor. So these are the ways of becoming great. Get um, make your meaning, get a mentor to guide you. The second one is to um, the second one is to have um, to acquire a friend, but he uses a language which means to um, like buy a friend. And the reason why I use the word acquire, because you might think, oh, great. Like what kind of, what kind of friend? I don't want a friend where I have to, um, you know, I don't want to have to purchase a friend. What's that all about? But you'll think about it, that family members, you don't have to, you don't have to acquire a family member is a friend, but they're always your friend, whether you invest or not, but friends are only if you invest. You'll notice that any relationship you don't invest in, 
it just kind of disappears. So that's why our sages use the word acquire yourself a friend. And then the last one is which means that you should judge all people favorably. So here we go. Someone's doing something not so good. But couldn't it be he's just being misunderstood? 
Before you lock them up, throw away the key. There must be a reason to set him free. Thank you very much. <clears throat> so here we go, gang. This is the story. As usual, in our first session, what we do is we do a full overview. We do a full overview of what the month is going to be about. It's interesting. This is the first time it's going to be a three-week month. So... Um, I apologize to the subscribers who used to having four months, four weeks per month, but many of you got five weeks um, as a result of the, uh, we've already had, I think, three months that wound up with five weeks, don't ask, but um, but this one's going to be three because Pesach is going to interrupt our fourth week. Now, the, um, now, now the, the whole entire system is based on how God created the world. Now, why is that? Why are we basing the whole thing on how God made the world? The reason is, is because, well, given that God made the world a certain way, if God made the world, let's say it like this, if God made the world in 10 ways, so then the world's made of that. Is that clear enough? So if God made the world in 10 ways, everything you look at is made of that. So like, for example, this, uh, this stone wall behind me, you know, I'm up in spot where everything's made of stone. So this stone wall here is, you know, this is made of that. It's made of those 10 and all 10 are in it. So everything is made of these 10 things and they're called the 10 sephiros. So it's, it's makes sense to practice words if you don't know them, but it's called the 10 sephiros. And the whole world is ultimately made of them. Well, guess what? You're also made of them. But not only are you made of them, just like this wall, and I could show you in the wall how it's made of it. Maybe I will a little later. But you're made of it. 
everything's made of it. The whole world was made via these 10 utterances. And don't worry, I'm not giving you a whole Kabbalistic class on how God created the world. But we do know that God used these 10 spheres. And these 10 spheres are inside all of us. And it turns out there's 10 types of people out there. Now, some are extremely rare. Like, for example, the 10th. The 10th is extremely rare. I've only met two people in my life who had all 10, um, who were like equally all 10. That's why it's so rare, because instead of them being like the rest of us, one of the 10, the 10th one is all 10. So like meaning really all nine, you're all of the above. And so, I mean, that's just the rarest thing ever. And in my whole life, and I meet a lot of people, I've only met two people who have all 10. And it's, um, so again, it's, it's a unique thing to possess, to possess that. Also, there's a list of three others that are extremely rare as well. And you'll notice that the, when we get to professions, that the professions, people who do those who have that, their profession will be managerial. Well, tell me in a factory, how many people are the manager? The answer is, well, 300 workers, probably got five managers. Uh, 50 workers have one manager. So it's a unique individual that would ever be that. They're always in a managerial position when they, when they get to their real Garden of Eden uh, setting. Now, this, we're going to start with this. Oh, before I do that, I just want to tell you a little bit about the Kabbalah. God is absolute oneness. Okay, it's not like Gentiles who believe there's one God. This is that it is one. And I don't know if you have ever thought about the difference between there being one God being one versus versus one of him. See, most people think monotheists is the, the number one, meaning there's one God out there, you know, as opposed to ten, I guess. I don't know. That's the numerical version of one. In Judaism that's not i mean we do believe there's only one of it but not because it's a it's a count issue it's because the nature of nothingness of meaning an absolute oneness there well there can only be one of those so in other words truly in judaism we believe god is the nothingness that precedes the somethingness but you can't have two nothings okay if you multiply nothing by 30 you still get nothing but that nothingness is an absolute oneness and that's why you'll notice that there's nowhere in the Torah where it ever says that God is one. Okay? Sorry, that, God, that is one of them. Nowhere in the Torah does it ever say it. It always says that God is one. You understand? It never says that there's one of them. Even in our prayers, we say, What's that mean? And he is one. Shema Yisrael, we say Hashem is one. So there's nowhere where we're doing the count version that the Gentiles do regarding the definition of monotheism. Well, God's got a major problem on his hands that if he's absolutely one, well, we're living in a world of, of many, you know, there's many pictures on this teenager's wall behind me and the, um, you know, that we're in a world of multiplicity and there's six strings on this guitar right behind me. You know, that there's, this is not a world of one. This is a world of many. That's why, by the way, we double cover our eyes when we talk about God's oneness. We cover our eyes and then we double cover. You'll notice how much darker it gets when you double cover. And the, because you really want to see no distinction, you want to see absolute oneness. And the, um, so God is one. Now the world's made of many. Well, how did one become many? And the answer is it's got, that God chose what are called the 10 spheros, where the one gets divine, not him himself, meaning he, he 
caused what's called the or of the eternal light, which is one light, like it's, a sh- but it's a shining of light, which means it's no longer his essence. It comes from his essence, but God's not a light. A light's something. God's not a light. So God is the emanator, but he's not the emanation. It's important to get that. Okay, God's not the emanation. He's the emanator. He emanates the light. Now, the truth is, if he emanates the light, he's the only thing there is. So he's also the light, really. So he's also the emanation, but but not in his essence. And that's where you'll see in Kabbalah, we discuss the difference between uh, between manifestation and, and essence. So in God's essence, it's absolute oneness, but how God manifests into the 10 spheros, for example, or into the light. Anyway, that is already, that is already open to, um, that's already open to, to, um, to manifestation. And that's how the oneness manifests. But think about it. If all there is is God and God created the world out of himself, so then everything's of God, ultimately. And that's why we have two names of God in every blessing. Baruch Hashem, Hashem represents the essence. Elokeinu is how God fills creation. That's the manifestation. So we're saying it all the time. Even in Shema Yisrael, we say Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem, that which is beyond is that which fills. Now, how the, how the, the world, our world, exists as an, ultimately as the emanation, of God. It exists all within these 10 beams. And the three of those beams are hidden, seven are revealed. So for those who are new to this, just so far what you'd say is one becomes 10. Of the 10, they break down three hidden and seven revealed. Okay. The three hidden are just like, oh, sorry, one more detail is that we're we're told in the Torah that we're made in the image of God, but God doesn't have an image. So what does that mean we're made in the image of God? The answer is, is that we're made in the image of the way God created the world. The way God created the world. What way did God create the world? We did it in 10 ways, and we're made of that. And so we also have three hidden. What are your three hidden? Your thoughts. Your brain is broken into three hidden realms. One realm is the realm of the associative mind. If you don't say something, I have no idea what you're thinking. It's hidden. And you have an associative mind, which thinks about this, and then it thinks about that. Like like a conversation in a social setting. You know, it just keeps going from subject seven until you're like, how do we get on this? And the answer is, well, because our associative minds are working in this conversation. So this associated with that, which is associated with that. And that is called in Hebrew, Chochmah. The second part we're created in the image of God is called Bina which is your analytical mind. And the analytical mind is very different. It's not associative. It's, it's literally analyzing, like doing surgery on one thought and breaking it into its parts to understand it in its detail. And that's your analytical brain. You're made of the image of these things. So the first two of the 10 spheros is already the, the, the associative brain, the analytical brain. Now, there's another part of your brain that most people, as I said, there's going to be a very rare one. In uh, there's going to be three extremely rare, not to mention the tenth is you know I've met two in my life. So, the third one, is, which is extremely rare, is the is the decisive brain, and people don't even think about it much. But you actually, and why? Because people are very good at being decisive. But you have a part of your brain that knows how to make the actual sacrifice for what you're going to do or say. Or, you know, there's a part of you that 
that pulls the trigger. I mean, it says go. And that's a part of your brain that's able to say, you know what, amongst, you know, we had the idea of this, like I had the idea of uh, dairy, you know, which gave me a lot of options in my analytical brain, but I'm going for, I'm going for sesame seed tahina because I realized in the end, that whole craving I was having in debt for dairy was because I need calcium and sesame is the best form of it. So I'm just going to go have some calcium and see what happens to my dairy craving. But it's all hidden until you see me open the fridge. You're like, what's he going for? What's he going for? And then I pull out the tahini. Ah, so there was a decision made and there was a sacrifice made. But most people, they're like, they just can't make the sacrifice. And that's why they go to rabbis and they say, or rather mentors and say like, I got all these choices. What do I do? Because most people don't have a great time with their decisive brain. Anyway, and now the seven revealed. The seven revealed are, are number one is the action that you're going to do. So like, for example, uh, um, I had a thought of, you know, that I'm a, I am I like to impart knowledge to people. But the analytical brain was like, okay, it's middle corona. Maybe I ought to try webinars. Okay, what kind of webinars should I do? Lots of detail, lots of deal. Decisive, Sunday's live. That's the only one really that's lasted is Sunday's life. So it clearly was, was the winner of all the different things I've tried all since Corona. But meanwhile, I got to get busy. I got to open up my mouth or I got to press send on the advertisement or whatever it is. I got to do something. So now I'm speaking. Well, that's, that's the attribute called chesed, which is just flow, which is very much like the associative brain, just like the associative brain flows. So now that I'm in the world of action, the seven reveal. So you can hear my voice, I hope. If your computer's working properly or your smartphone, you hear my voice because I'm making an action. But notice I've got a couple of things in the way of the action. What are the things in the way? I got lips, teeth, tongue, palate, and throat. And they're all limiting the sound, which is called, that's number four. So, no, sorry, number five. So, number four was Chesed of the 10. Number five is Gavura because I'm limiting how the sound comes out. My teeth, Palate, tongue, lips, yeah, and and throat are, uh, when I say throat, I mean the guttural uh, part of the throat, are literally breaking up the sound, which is gavura, which is number five of the ten. So we're already five down, three hidden, two revealed so far. And then I've got a, a number six is called Tiferis, and that is, well, i got to look at my audience here. You know, if I can't see you, and watch, you know, Chesky's facial muscles moving to my talking. And Sheila's always very animate and, and animated. And I, I get a sense of the listener. Now, guess who the listener is? Then we'll already be done with another one. The listener is number 10. Number 10 is the recipient. It's called Malchus. And that's the one receiving it. So that's number 10. And I'm, so you're the receivers. So I'm looking at Nicholas driving his car. I realize he's a little busy, so I can't go... I want him driving carefully. I don't want to get too many cues from him. But, uh, but you know, I got Joel in his office. And Shy is driving his car, munching something. I, I hope he stopped because he's eating. And, um, and Dovey's in some kind of office. I don't know where all you people are. But, but the, the bottom line is I'm using the recipient of what I'm saying to guide what's coming out. 
Okay. And that's T. Ferris. So I'm going to tell you what, what number seven does, which is T. Ferris, is it tells, it looks at number 10, which is you, the recipient. It looks at the receiver and it tells number seven tells six how to limit what I'm saying so that it comes across. You know, I'm not just, I'm, I'm breaking up the sound with Kavura. Number eight is, uh, oh, no, I blew it. Chokma Bina Das. Chesed is number four. Gavur is number five. Number six is Tiferes, sorry. Okay, number seven is Netzach. This is a two-hour webinar. Now, the reason it's two hours really is because we're going to squeeze it down once we go into production. So it, it won't be two hours, believe me. You can't sell nothing that's two hours. <laughs> and the, uh, so, but it's, uh, but anyway, for the pilot run this year, we're, we're developing in two hours and then we'll have all the material. To, I don't know what will be the ultimate time to nail it. But the, um, but the, but I, I got to go for two hours. I'm also going for a whole year. There's tenacity involved with this voice of mine. I got to keep going. I also got to protect my voice. I'm not over pushing right now because at, at at one hour and 45 minutes, do a meditation, I want a voice for that. I want to be able to keep going at that point. And so, and so there's, but my keeping going is called Netzach. And that's number seven. Number eight is called Hode. And hold is to stay focused. I mean, those who know me well know that I could talk about a million subjects at once. <laughs> I'll tie them all up at the end, but you'll probably be like a pretzel by the time I'm done. I can handle a lot of topics and be very unfocused. Why? Because my strength is Nitzah. My strength is Nitzah. That's like one of my biggest strengths. Whereas hold is one of my biggest lacks of strength. That's the focus. So in an, in an analogy, Nitzah would be like a flashlight. You know, when you turn a flashlight up into the night air, you know, in the nighttime, and you turn it on, all those photons of light go out. You just can't see it beyond 10 feet because it scatters. Hode is a laser beam. And have you ever seen a laser in the night? You know, it just keeps going and going and going because it's refocusing in on itself. And so me staying on the topic tonight, I'm sorry, I keep saying night. I know it's daytime for most people, but we've got a couple of Israelis on this group. So me staying on top of it the whole time is called hote. That's staying focused. And if you're wondering what that has to do with Thanksgiving, or well, let's start with Aaron, who's, by the way, each one of these is a different shepherd and focuses Aaron, the high priest, Moses's brother. Well, think how focused he needed to be in the Holy of Holies. You know, one false thought, one little digression, and he, and he would die. And so it had to be total focus. But what does focus have to do with the attribute of, of giving thanks? And the answer is, well, well, you want to, you're focusing on your, on your benefactor. You know, giving thanks means I'm totally focused on the source of what I get. And what is Aaron doing? Aaron a Cohen, or, you know, the, what is a Cohen doing? A Cohen is doing this extremely focused work, staying mentally focused. and and what is he doing? He's connecting heaven and earth with the incense going up or any offering going up or obviously the bigger events of the holidays. And, you know, the Kohan, Kohan is, 
very, very busy with deep focus at the risk of his own life. And then number, number nine is a super special one. Number nine, now it's going to be very in line with, remember the, the middle one we had at the heart was T. Ferris. That was number six. And, and number six, remember, it looks at you, the one listening to me right now, which is number 10. So it looks at you, the recipient, but it may look at you and size you up and try to like figure out what would be the appropriate way for me to break up the sound and what to say. But what number nine is, is connection. It's called Yisod, and it is the connection to the listener. You understand, if, if someone's kid came up to me at a Shabbos table and asked me to tell them a story, you know, I'll tell them a story, but like, I don't know the kid very well. But bedtime for my kids, the stories are going to be very sharp for where they're at from last story i told them and and it's it's all very connective for me to go into a room of people in the financial world and tell them a and use analogies about yeah i'm teaching them something let's say at their lunch and learn you know you know in a boardroom in midtown Manhattan. for me to give them an analogy from music would be, I mean, unless they're big music guys, it's going to fall flat. Now, it's an appropriate analogy for the subject, but it's inappropriate for the recipient. And to stay properly connected to the recipient, I would therefore tell them an analogy in, in money terms or numbers terms. It would be some kind of number analogy or some story about, about something that happened financially to someone. And then they'd all be at the edge of their seat the whole time because I'm properly connected to the recipient. In other words, it's, it's kind of like the, the cable for your phone. You know, these days, most people use C cables or whatever. Um, uh, the, it's the cable into the phone from the computer. Now, everything in your computer is going to come shooting down into the phone. So to those upper nine and ultimately what I thought the hidden stuff, what I wanted to impart with my mouth, that's all going to get funneled in only if I'm connected to my listener. And that's you. So that's the connection. Okay. So that was a, that was a brief, brief understanding of the entire, the entire 10 spheres set up and we're going to apply them to personality. But before we do, who are we to say, that human personality has anything to do with these. If the whole world's made of the 10, maybe your personality's made of all 10 equally. So it turns out that we have a tradition from our sages that every person at Mount Sinai heard the Torah their way. Meaning God said it in one voice, but it broke up it was diffracted or refracted, I don't know what the right word was, into the listener. And in fact, the place where, we, where our sages teach this is from a particular psalm that we actually say every Friday night in Shul at Kabbalat Shabbat, which is, Mizmor Davina son to David, Havu Lashem Give to Hashem, 
B'nai Elim. That has to do with these angels that go shooting up every Friday right at dark, right at dusk. They go shooting up. And the and it turns out that there are three Havus and there are seven Kols. Kol Hashem. We say Kol Hashem each time. The voice of God. There's three Havus and seven Kols. So it's Havu Lashem B'nai Havu Lashem then you get the calls. First one mentions water. Isn't that interesting? Because we spoke number one, number four, we said is chesed, that's flow, right? And notice the second one, sorry, number five, but the second of the calls. Koach is Gavura. It's the ability to withhold. Most people think it's Koach strength. The word translates as strength, and I know Gentiles think strength is a guy with the biggest punch. But in Judaism, strength is the one who holds back their punch. Someone who can withhold punches is way stronger than the guy who punches, obviously. And so on. Seven coals, seven voices of God. And our sages tell us that what are those three and, and seven? They're the ways that the Jewish people who stood at Sinai heard the one voice of God, you know, giving the Torah. In other words, each person has a way they hear. Each person has a way they interact. Now, why would God do that? Why would God make each one of us a different one of these ten spheros? And the answer is, very obvious, is that he wanted us to build in this world. We're here to build stuff. Create. Well, if we're here to create, well, we're going to need each other. The way we work it out is by synergizing. We work together. We build teams. And you'll notice at the end of the, the Desire webinar, we talked about building teams. We actually spoke about this. And how to how to find your teammates based on this system. But this particular time, we're going to go into detail of the system, so that people can really get in touch with their divine settings. And also, uh, anyone watching, that uh, please feel free to subscribe for the rest of this month and ongoing months after Pesach. Now, the what about we're going to. Yeah, that's number 10. What's the question? No, I think you didn't mention mention that part. I think you skipped that mistake. That that was you guys. I mentioned it towards the beginning because the recipient... the beginning, right, yeah. Yeah, the receiver is Malthus. So if I'm building a building, I'm going to need all nine, but the building's going to be number 10. And what does that mean? I've only met two people who had that. I met two people who possessed everything that went into them meaning they have all ten, all nine equally above them, whereas the rest of us are specialized. All of us are specialized. Uh, interestingly, since we're, since you brought it up, I wasn't going to mention it, but Hesky, I'm going to mention this. Um, you want to hear something crazy? I, I worked in past life regression therapy uh, over 20 years ago, and uh, putting people in hypnosis and taking the past lives. So, I had a particular client who was a rabbi and um, we walked past my secretaries and we go into my office 
and I put him in hypnosis and he took me out for like a good two hours. I think maybe he ordered three hours and a wealthy guy and he wanted several hours and you ready for this. The first reincarnation that he went into was a, um, was um, Nazi war camps. And, and he, you can like speak. So the guy's like, there's like a rabbinic kind of guy, but American, which means he had swear words. And he started like screaming obscenities, just saying like, oh no, oh my gosh. And then using, you know, different words that we don't use. But later screaming them. And I, there was a certain point where I was standing on my table and he was horse tied by his feet and is being dragged around a Nazi camp, you know, a, a slave camp. He's being, how this man, or a rabbinic looking guy, um, transported himself around the floor of my office, but it was a big office. He was literally like banging chairs out of way and shooting around the room and banging. And the guy came out so battered and bruised from this. And I was standing on the table. And my secretary's like, any minute we're ready to, to come in. And the same guy, the same guy, he was, he was at one point, I mean, we went incarnation after incarnation. What are the incarnations? He was standing on the edge of a chair, like a backrest of a chair, reaching towards the light at his death. But what was the light? The light was a window. A pretty big window. He couldn't have fit through it. It was one that swivels off the middle. So he couldn't fit through it. But he's going for the window. We're like, we were like four stories up over the old city streets of Jerusalem. People are hearing the screaming on the street. And there's a crowd forming. <laughs> and, and people are like, like, should we be calling an emergency? And I'm like, <laughs> like I'm, I've got a hand in his armpit. One hand's in his armpit. The rest of his body's leaning off the edge of the chair, trying to get out the window. He couldn't have fit out the window. His eyes are closed. He's in total hypnosis right now. And by the way, I haven't been saying a word the whole time. I, he's going through this. Meaning I would guide him from this one to that one or go to the end of your life or whatever. Anyway, the guy's trying to jump out the window on a fourth story. He, he had no idea where he was. And um, anyway, I put him uh, I put him back, back down. But the, you check this out. After a couple of hours, it was really many hours. At the end, he he goes to his last, his first incarnation. And what was this? All of a sudden, he gets this glow on his face, like this incredible glow on his face. And the second I see this glow on his face, I said to myself, that's King David. Now, I it's crazy to tell you this, but this guy is all ten spheros. And King David's called David Melech Yisrael. And of all the spheros, he's the ten. And I'm staring at this guy. His face is glowing. And he's just like stroking this long beard. He's a red beard, long red beard. And King David was a redhead. And he's stroking his beard. And he's glowing. And I'm, you know, I'm generally quiet. But I, I decided to say, so where are you now? And he's like, I'm overlooking a city. And I'm like, well, where are you? And he's like, I'm on a hillside. And what are you doing? And he says, I'm writing songs. 
And I said, who are you? He says, I can't tell you who I am. And I'm like, whose city is that? And he says, it's my city. And I said, well, who are you? And he says, I just can't tell you who you are, who I am. And then I, and then I kept pushing and he says, only if you promise me you will never, ever reveal what I'm about to tell you. And I said, I promise I'll never tell anybody. And he says, I'm King David. Now, I can't tell you too much about him, but you name me anything you've ever known about a human being. And I will tell you that if it was a subject in, if it was a subject in school, sorry, I don't know why my phone just went off. If it was a subject in school, sorry, I'm back. Name any trade, anything, anything you can name that human beings ever did. If it was a subject in school, you got an A plus in it. He's also got professional degrees and stuff before he became observant. So he had a whole second life. And he, uh, and then I, I taught him a piece of Talmud that I must have taught 20 people already in the past. He, I taught it to him this first. He didn't know Hebrew, so I taught it in English. He schooled me on it. Schooled me on it. He saw. I saw it for the first time. I never understood the page that I had taught twenty people over many years. You know, it was a good first page for his intro to Talmud. He schooled me on it and showed me what it meant. He, our curriculum in our yeshiva for a new guy takes five years to get anywhere in scholarship, so that you can move on to a more advanced yeshiva. He was done with it in one year. He had to move on after a year. Now, um, so I've been still keeping that secret, but the guy's got to be in his 40s by now. So I, I think I'm going to threaten him that if he doesn't reveal himself soon, he's in big trouble. But I can't break my promise. But I'm the only one who knows who he is. Maybe he told his wife. So anyway, let's let's get busy. We're gonna we're gonna next week's gonna be a serious workshop where we're gonna uh, we're gonna actually slice and dice through the tent to so that you can discover your your own um, divine settings. But what we're going to do now is just a big overview of of how you discover this. So this is how it's done. Number number one is the is to discuss the style. People have a different style, and there are two of them. There's two styles, okay? One style is flow, and one style is structure, okay? Now, it's not so easy to discover it, because if you just are flow meister, yeah, and that's your style, well, you'll, your life will fall apart, because you got, you know, you got bills to pay. You, gotta, you can't live your life just going down the river. You got to actually figure things out. So you might have spent your life in structure when actually your flow. The other is also true. If you've been living structure, 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 well, no one wants to be with you. You're no fun at a party, no fun at a Shabbos table. You know, you're just, you know, you're just dry and boring because everything is just dotting your I's and crossing your T's and detail after detail. And it's, that's a structure style. And they're extremely important in the world. Certainly when companies are hiring, they, they look for structured people because they want people to get the job done and not just go with the flow and call in sick, you know, just because the waves are big. So, so going with the flow is, 
going with the flow is is uh, you know it's a it, there were really fun at parties like everyone's me at their party but but structure is is you know essential so that's the first part is flow versus structure now how do you know the difference between flow and structure so i'll tell you a little bit about it um first of all you know just an analogy water is the ultimate definition of flow you know you put it in any shape put it in a freezer it comes out that shape it's extremely um uh flexible and pliable malleable and uh um flow people also are um spontaneous they are um you know they could have one plan and then the plan goes you know something goes wrong in the plan they're just just as happy to have the new plan you know okay new plan um corona has forced a lot of structured people to have to balance themselves out towards flow but a lot of flow people were okay during you know all the stuff that happened in corona my wife and i are pretty flow i'm extreme flow she's fairly flow and the um and so we threw a you know big wedding in brooklyn and we didn't know where the wedding was going to be two days before it happened we didn't know if it was going to be in new jersey for like 10 people and we didn't know if it was going to be for 400 people in brooklyn we had no idea two days before it happened so that's flow man. that is total flow and and so we did pretty well with that while uh, a lot of other people have had tremendous stress over, over these subjects and um uh what's interesting is my my son whose wedding it was is a hardcore structure guy we're flow and he's structured and he is very interesting he the only reason that we had because my wife and i and the the uh the, the other parents of the bride we were like yeah we'll take the we'll take the new jersey uh five thousand dollar ten person wedding please you know that sounds good you know instead I'm, I'm still paying off his wedding for four months later but mr structure over there never let go he never let go and every time we told him like Hey man, we gotta like start thinking about this New Jersey thing in Tom's River in someone's backyard. He was like, "Happy to do it in Tom's River if the, on the day of the wedding we get shut down." But otherwise, he stuck to his guns, and um, and it was uh, yeah, good for him. So that's flow and structure. Now, what you need to know about flow and structure is. Um, to celebrate what you are and to stretch the other way. Because if you just celebrate being flow and you don't stretch to structure, your life's going to be a total mess. And if you celebrate being a structure person, but you don't learn how to be spontaneous, so you're going to be, you know, you're going to be filled with anxiety all the time because, you know, God's, God's sending things down the pipeline that are surprises all the time. And, you know, you just, you just can't go with, you just can't be always in your structure because God, God might just say, no, you know, there's something else is happening now. And boy, this year has been a, filled with surprises in how much we've had to go with the flow. And so, and so, um, you, so whatever your style is for sure, you want to celebrate it. Meaning don't turn yourself into a pretzel. Don't, don't put, don't take a job that requires structure when you're flow. And also, don't take a flow job if you're structure. You know, you're you're not going to be good at it. You know, flow people do flow jobs, and structure people do structure jobs. 
And because when you think of your professional life, you spend hours and hours a day at it. And you can really mess up. You can mess up your health stretching too much into the uh, other side. You have to stretch, but you don't want to spend. If you're spending a lot of time stretching, then you're not celebrating who you are. So again, it's celebrate, stretch, celebrate your natural setting, stretch to the other side. Now, the the um, when it comes to discovering whether your flow or structure, you also have to be careful if you're not rebelling from your parents or your society. If you were raised in an extremely structured society, and one example is the any observant society, but particularly the more observant the society, like the black hat society, it's extremely structured. It's a serious system. And it could be that you actually are structured, but you've been rebelling against such a strong system. And so you've been becoming this flow guy, but you don't do it well. Now, have you ever seen this? An example of this is, uh, I'm sure those raised observant know good examples of this, but in my background, have you ever seen, I'm sure Sheila's seen this, um, Shai, I'm sure has seen this, is uh, Mitch, you were raised and not observant also, right? Yeah, have you ever seen um, someone trying, someone trying to be a hippie? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's just like, nice try, guy. You know, um, I remember once, I remember once uh, I was in a, in a, at a Grateful Dead show and uh, we were in the parking lot pre-party and uh, a BMW shows up and four men get out in business suits and ties and they're like total structure guys, these guys. And, and they, uh, we're in the parking lot. They're kind of, I, I, we're in the car next to them. So that's how I noticed them. Next thing I see is a bag of mushrooms come out and they, they divvy up the mushrooms amongst the four businessmen. Then next you see, they're all like changing and stuff. And, and they're, um, they, they, they all put on tie dyes. <laughs> these guys all put on tie dyes. They were like in their boxer shirts, pulling on jeans and stuff. They brought their retro hippie outfit to this event. And, um, and then when they were all dressed, it took like 15 minutes when they were all finally ready and they had chewed up all their, their magic mushrooms. They headed out into the, into the concert, like every other hippie there. But it was, you know, these were total structure guys. And, uh, going for the blast from the past night, you know, to go be at the, at the Grateful Dead show. Um, the, anyway, so you got to be careful. You're not rebelling and, and make sure that you're really in your settings. So how would you know you're in your setting? One of the way you know you're in your settings is you have no idea what time it is right now. <laughs> like me. Okay. You have no idea what time it is. And uh, which, thank God, I got a watch on, so I can keep an eye on this on the clock for y'all. But the, um, you don't know what, I, I have no idea what today's date is. And no, I could not figure it out. <laughs> I would have zero reference figuring out this date. Well, actually, I would have a reference. We're up north because it's my wife's birthday. And I know she's born in Kafbet Adar, and I know it was on Shabbos. Now, month, I can tell you we're in February. Am I close? February? No, don't tell me it's not February. Are you serious? Is it March already? Are we already in March? Are you kidding? 
Oh my God. I'm so embarrassed. March 7th. Oh my God. Thanks, Mitch. So, okay. I missed it by a week. Um, Anyway, but but I said before, I said my wife and I are both flowing. I'm extreme flow. She would know it's March for sure. She would know it's March. And she would probably even know it's somewhere within, you know, close to the 7th of March. I thought we were still in February, but I think February is shorter than the other months. So it jumped. It, it jumped on me this time. <laughs> I don't think that's much of an excuse given it's March 7th. But the um, anyway, so flow people. Another example, if you'll notice when you were a kid and you had your summers off, or if you were an educator and you had your summers off, flowmeisters like God to be in charge of the summer. Now, who doesn't want their summers off? Everyone wants their summers off, but structured people will actually make, they'll, do, they'll make a list of all the things they want to do all summer. And then they'll fill in the list and have this amazing summer where they like hit all their bucket list things they wanted to do through the, throughout the summer. Flowmeisters, it's like, okay, I'm just going to wake up each day, you know, after I, when I, I don't know, when the phone rings, I guess it wakes me up. And, and then I'll, you know, see what God has in store day after day after day after day after day. And if you ask me what I did last summer, I have no idea, you know, but it was a great summer. And the, um, anyway, but that's the, that's the Flowmeister way of dealing with time. Um, but they, they're also, you know, like, for example, the store Bed Bath & Beyond, you know, it's a housing store. I'm sure it's the same in, uh, in uh, what's it, Ikea or whatever. The, uh, anywhere you buy houseware, for example, they, they will have, let's say you go to the, um, the plates to buy plates for your house. There will be the structure plates and the flow plates. Okay? They'll always have, the structure plates will either be cool angles or they'll be framed the plate actually will have a frame around it um it might have it might even be round but have geometrical shapes embossed on it the um whereas the flow stuff is going to be definitely round there will not be a frame on it it will be um if they'll emboss anything on it it'll be something like a, a beautiful china like a floral type of thing um it will be whatever. That's the idea. So the same thing happens when you go to linens. The same thing happens when you go to clothing departments and stuff in department stores. Is they know half the people are going to want the structured outfits. Half the people are going to want the flow outfits. And they and they have to they have to stock their place like that. Now when you go to boutique clothing stores. You'll, you know, a structure lady will look in and she'll just be like, there's nothing for me in here and walk out. Why? Because the lady who, who runs that store is, is flow and she's, she's going to build a flow store. Oh, you know what the extremely flow story is in department stores? Um, oh gosh. What's the name of that? Sheila, what's the name of that? Uh, it's a lot of jewelry and it's um, very intricate colors and patterns it's, it's like a girl's shop the one, that, for... the one that i think of is anthropology that's the total oh. flow. that's it i never heard of that one nicholas i'm gonna come to you in a sec um no oh man it's in all the department stores they're 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 lo- wherever their logo would show up it would show up on this background of these like 
extremely intricate pattern uh, colors. They have one in the airport in, in Ben Gurion, I forget, right? That's what you mean. Yeah, they have also in Ben Gurion. I forget what the name. Ah, okay, doesn't matter. Anyway, um, one second. Let's get a question. Yeah. Michael Negrin? Negrin is called? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. the one. I'm embarrassed yeah, I know that. I'm embarrassed I know that. Michael Negrin. Yeah. Yeah. You, I'm pretty uh, surprised and proud you pulled that out of the hat there, uh, two of you. What's the name of it again? I think it's called Michal Negrin. Negrin. Yeah, me. Yeah, Israeli. Negrin. Yeah, Negrin. Oh, it's Israeli? I believe so. Uh, I thought it was international. Um, Sheila, you ever heard of that? Okay. I'm going to Nicholas, who has his hand up. Go ahead, Nicholas. Hi, Rabbi. Um, I had a question. So, is, um, is flow and structure, is there a strong correlation often seen between those two and masculine and feminine? Um, well, there actually is, um, but not necessarily. Um, there's something interesting that happens is when a woman becomes pregnant and then eventually with child, uh, meaning a child born, she move, she'll that God will move her towards structure to care for that baby. Because even if she's a big flow meister, she'll start migrating towards structure. And otherwise, though, meaning her natural settings still flow, but she will migrate towards that. Um, there, there's not necessarily a direct correlation for masculine and feminine. Um, well, I would really say male and female. Flow is masculine and structure is feminine, but that's not male and female. So, meaning I'm I'm very feminine. I'm, I'm very, I'm I've got a strong female side built into me, but I'm really a, a big flow meister. And flow generally is because God's causing creation into existence. We call him a male for causing, being the flower. Yeah, he's causing that to happen. Whereas the the feminine attributes are going to be the more structure attributes. In the end, though, in the end, what's very interesting is that the six, my phone's in do not disturb, but it's apparently people are somehow getting in ever since uh, last couple of weeks. I don't know why. Um, so if I disappear, I just come right back. The, um, the seven revealed, six of them, when put together, are called the flow. And interesting, the sixth one correlating to our body is the genital region, which is, remember when I said it's connection, it connects heaven and earth. It's the flow. It's the, it's the connector. But the, the fit, the tenth we said is the receiver. It's the recipient. And it's the final product. And that's in the feminine. That's always the feminine. So Nicholas, there, there is a bit of a correlation of flow being the masculine and, and feminine being the structure. However, the um, the male and female not necessarily so like meaning there are females who are so intensely flow and uh, and I mean there's just nothing structuring those ladies and there are males who are extremely structured and there's males who are extremely flow like me so it's like 
you're not going to be able to pick a female too easily um, in flow and structure, except for that which I mentioned that God created women after birth to be more the structure. And you'll notice, by the way, the women that do that whole child raising for those however many years, 20 years in our community, 40 years. But um, in the that whole thing, you'll notice that the second they start marrying off kids and they're like starting to, you know, they're on the exit plan, they go so flow afterwards. The flowmeisters really go flowing because I married a bit of a flowmeister, a bit, like not intense like me. But so ever since we started making weddings, she's just like, she, you know, how long do you think it takes me right now to convince my wife to throw it all to the wind and go out with me for the night? You know, in the old days, it took some convincing because she's like, okay, well, the kids this, the kids that, the kids the other. Now she's just like, we're gone. You know, even this time, I surprised her Saturday night that I'm taking her away for two days. She just like jumped in the car. Let's go. And so, because her flow sides, you know, kicking in big time after say she had her first kid when she was 26 she's now uh this is her birthday she's 52 hey 26 plus 26 isn't that 52 yeah (laughs) so so uh she's paid her dues in uh raising these kids but we still have a 10 year old you know a couple older than that so we at least got to know where they are now um so that's flow and that is structure. And you want to figure out which one you are. You want to celebrate it. And then you want to um, get it to the, uh, get stretched to the other side to make sure you're balanced in your life. Um, I just, before I leave this, this is all called style, by the way. Oh, duh. The, the, we have a, we have a, another one, <laughs> which is called, balance which is the rare 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 personality i told you they're extremely rare the the balanced personality so the balanced personality does both equally well we're not talking about you stretching to the other side and there you're now you're balanced i live in balance well kind of but my wife's certainly balanced the all of us because we celebrate who we are and we stretch the other side it puts us in balance all of us live in balance. If you don't live in balance, you're going to be paying for it big time. I mean, you got to live in balance. But, but when it comes to, when it comes to like being both equally, like your actual nature is just as much flow and just as much structure. How many people are like that? Who's like that? You know, very few people you'll ever meet are like that. And if you ever do meet someone like that, most likely, as long as things went proper for them, like went well for them, they are managers. They are a managerial position, which again is one in 50, one in 100. How many managers do you need for, for 50 people? So, so they'll be put in a managerial position. They, they put, they'll gravitate to it's like they'll wind up in that manager position. It just, they just can't help it. Now, by the way, it's sad that everyone isn't that all managers aren't perfectly in the middle. And that's why we've all had someone in charge of management who we were ready to kill because they didn't belong there. And oftentimes the perfect manager died and left it open. Well, who's going to take over? Well, managerial people have structured people and right under them usually. 
listen carefully, managerial types will often hire structure people right under them. Now that's very dangerous because if you have a structured person right on you, if sorry, if someone has a structured person right under them, and that person, the, the leader who's a true leader, leaders always the middle, the perfect balance, and that leader has someone that passes away. Well, who's next in command? A structured person, and they will generally run the institution into the ground. They'll destroy it. They just don't have what it takes because they don't have to know how to deal with it. And that's where you'll notice the constant turnover of organizations, institutions, governments, constantly turning over. And that's because the, the, the people who take over from the person who was the balanced personality, um, they're not that personality. And they're almost always structured. And everyone looks and they're like, hey, who's better for the job than them? They've been running all this stuff for so many years. Like, shouldn't they lead? The answer is no. You go headhunt a person who sits right down that middle to lead the organization. And Mr. Structure should keep his his desk where he was in the building there. And he shouldn't move a muscle towards management. You know, that's not a manager personality. Now, if it sounds like I've I'm starting to starting a rant. <laughs> it's because I've dealt with my share of these bozos and I've watched beautiful institutions get run into the ground by them. And, and it's been a, a, a painful experience. And, uh, and I've worked in institutions that got run into the ground by non, non uh, balance personalities. And every time it was a structured person who wasn't getting the picture. Okay. Now, um, we're moving into our third chapter of the night, and that is one's um, settings. And what I mean by settings, this is your USB cable interface to the world. Now, there are three USB cable interfaces, one, two, and three. So one, I'm pointing up towards my head because it's the intellect, the three hidden. Those are the, that's the number one or the, the intellect three hints they all begin with i by the way so it's intellect and then there's interpersonal pointing to the heart that's the second three interpersonal and then the last three are instinctual which it would be the legs um you know the leg area of your body so there's three categories one is intellect two is interpersonal and three is instinctual Now, everybody has an order that they are of what, meaning, meaning we're all intellectual. I mean, all of us are given ideas. We all read instruction manuals. You know, we've all, we've all read books. Everyone had to study in school. So that's intellectual. All of us have family. All of us have friends. You know, we have workmates and stuff. That's interpersonal. And lastly, all of us have, you know, we've got to, you got to deal with the, you know, the leaky faucet or the, uh, the oil that we got to oil the hinge on the door, or we got to fill up the tank of gas. I mean, you, you got to understand, like, if you're not, if you're an intellectual and you have to fill your own tank of gas, I mean, I think that's, oh my gosh, I just had an amazing idea. Why do all those, why do all those doctors live in New Jersey? Because they still only have full service gas stations. 
because it's like they don't want to deal with that part of driving their car. It's enough they have to use their bodies to put it in drive, you know. And uh, you'll notice doctors spend, I don't know how many years it is. Um, can someone help me there? Uh, once they finish four years undergrad, what else do they have to do to become like an actual MD after their year of residency? Have how many years? That is it. They have to do a residency. No, but they can't go from undergrad to residency. They have to go to med school. Yeah, they go undergrad, med school, residency. How long does the whole thing take? It's nine years? It's usually seven years. Seven years? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, right, because they can do pre med they have to do pre-med, two years pre-med as well. So anyway, that's a lot of years of books. A lot of years of books. And and they they're just you know, the ones that have the ones that are one, three, twos are generally surgeons. One, three, twos are surgeons. Now, the best surgeons, though, the real mumcha surgeons are such a crack up character. They're three, one, twos. What does that mean? They had to stretch to intellect for those years to go to get to become surgeons you got to go do the school you got to learn the books you know deal with all that but they're really excellent in the physical excellent surgeons but they're the funniest guys because when you when you if you get to know a surgeon on the side they're like i mean they're just funny guys they're they're off-road you know enthusiasts or or they're like uh you know they're some other sport or like the, the top surgeon in cedar Sinai medical center in los angeles which is like the like hospital to the stars his name's patrick johnson he wears cowboy boots full time he's a total cowboy I mean, the guy might as well just come in in a 10 gallon hat to work and he's also from the south he's got a southern drawl and he's so funny and he's the top guy in the city what kind of what kind of cowboy is coming in where's the horse guy and and the answer is he's a one three two. And where do you think he is given his job as an orthopedic surgeon dealing mostly with obviously spines? Yeah, what do you think he is? What style is he? Floor structure, which one do you think he is? The answer is hardcore structure. He's structure and he's a three. Three is instinct. He's, he's such a classic example of instinct. Now I'm, 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 I'm being, I got to be careful because I'm talking too much about professions. That's going to be our last chapter tonight. Um, but the I'm just giving examples of like one, ones and twos and threes. So like when you when you study thinkers in you know university faculties and great thinkers of history and. Um, Torah scholar. once. If someone interrupts, so they're probably one, three, two.
so the so the again the ones are into the book stuff the the twos are interpersonal and the threes are are involved in the physical so what you want to do is figure out your settings and the way you do it is just simply by uh giving it a number scheme so so the stuff you're lousy in it the, the stuff you're most lousy at that's your that should be your third number so for example <laughs> it's a little embarrassing to tell you this especially as a rabbi but if you left me in this room like this kid's room i mean if you left me in this room with a book open and you can give me the book that you consider the most exciting book you've ever read and you walked out of here and you counted to 100 and you walked back in i would be fast asleep sitting here now if i were laying in that bed next to me you could count to 60 if I were standing, you'd have to count to 200, but you'd walk in here and see me fast asleep standing, holding the book with the most exciting content that you could think of. So what's automatically going to be my, my third number? So the answer is the one. Now, there's a very important misconception you have to be careful of, and that is brains. This is not how smart you are. Like, for example, that, that surgeon I brought up, that, that guy's a genius. He just doesn't care about you. I promise you he's not reading, you know, Carl Jung. That's for sure when he gets home in there. He's, he, is, he is a total instinct guy. And, and he's also a lot of fun, which is his two. He's, like, fun to be with and stuff. Everyone likes him at parties and stuff. And he's, he, he's, so, he's really a three-two-one. This this uh, surgeon is a three two one. Now I am a two three one, and my two and three are pretty balanced. My wife, thankfully, is a two three one, which is wonderful. I'll explain why in a minute. And um, and she's, um, but she's more balanced than all three. So so for example, when we finish eating our chillin Shabbos day, which to me is like a sleep serum. Um, I just want to go to sleep because my my three is going like, get me to a bed, get me to a bed. I just want to sleep. And my wife finishes the challenge. She's like, you know, before I rest, I'd like to study a little, a little Kabbalah on the this week's Torah portion. And how, I mean, we were married maybe a couple of weeks before she realized that that wasn't going to be happening. Because she's very balanced on the three. She's a two, three, one. So, so she mostly like right now I, it's her birthday. So I set her up. I surprised her. I called all her friends in Svat. My wife used to live in Svat. So I called all her friends in Svat to meet at a gallery, which is a friend of hers gallery. And they're all, they're all hanging out there together. Um, but today she was involved in all this meditation work that we did, um, you know, sitting Indian style in caves in the, in the North of Israel sitting by a river, listening to our dear meditation friend playing flute. You know, we were both just staring at the river, listening to meditation flute being played right behind us. And then in the, and then we were in a cave candle lit with and our friends burning lights, like super exotic incense and, and playing more prayer flute on a native American flute. And, you know, so so we did, we did a lot of talking. So we did the two stuff. We did the three stuff in the cave with all the meditation work. And then, you know, really going into that mindless space of connection. 
and now she's schmoozing with her friends. And so she's doing it. This has just been the two, three trip, but left to her own devices in our house. She's always pouring through books. You know, anytime she can open a book, she's studying something. And she already wrote a book. She wrote a 750 page book on the Jewish holidays, women to women. First time anyone, it's always rabbis writing to women, but this is women to women. Chesky, you have a question? Sorry, I just missed um, the two, three, one. Just, um, I, I, was, I missed a minute. So can you just go over the three numbers again? The, the three I's Yeah, one is, it, one is intellect, two is in, interpersonal, and three is instinct. I'm not going to point to my uh, genital region, but it's your, it's your legs and your genitals. And stuff. So that, so that's you, the... You phrase yeah, that in a minute? Meaning to say, what is, can you phrase that um, in, in what you mean, the three numbers? So that's just didn't understand the the difference. Intellect people are into information. Interpersonal people are into people, and what people would probably call a people person. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've, I'm already at like my fifth table at the Kiddush. Because I can't stop loving everybody the whole time. And like, I never, if someone doesn't keep track of me, I won't eat. Not only that, you want to know something really funny is uh, our, our table at home, Shabbos, we're married 26 years. Old. Our table at home has, um, it's not plated food. All the food comes to the center. All the salads go around the table. Then uh, all the food comes out in pots. Not in pots, but you know, in like China. So my family, for all our married life, has plated my food. Me, if you come in the kitchen Shabbos night or Shabbos day, when we come back from synagogue, you come into my kitchen, you'll see all the salads have been put out in little bowls. And then you'll see one big plate of china with the salads already placed on it. So what they do is when they fill up the plate, they plop one doppel of of salad, meaning whatever it is, tahina, hummus, and a million other sounds. And, and they're all around my plate. And the reason is they know that I'll sit there and talk to them. I'll talk to the guests. I'll say a million different things about the Parsha. And in the end, I will not have eaten a thing. And and you should know one in every like six Shabbos is the whole entire plated plate they gave me is not, I haven't even meaning all I did was eat my slice of challah just because you can't wash if you don't eat a certain amount of challah so I'll eat the slice of challah and never have touched the salads and they also plate my my next course meaning when they bring out the you know, soup but then when they bring out the, the main course they plate it for me and make sure I they keep an eye on me now by the way I'm not ascetic at all I'm just being very social very interpersonal are you up for a question? Yeah. I got my child, my Shalami, a three-year-old. Yeah. He is a, he's a flow, like with all the, all the Hadir, like literally to next level. Like I can find him like two streets away. He's a three-year-old. Like he doesn't even know how to ride a bike. It's literally, he cannot even go to Haida because no, no rabbit will handle him. But he's a, such a smart genius. I mean, he's a normal kid, Baruch Hashem, but he is literally no structure whatsoever. Okay. 
if if I'm not structuring structuring him, I won't be able to send him to Khaid. From the second hand, I see as more I structure him, as more he's getting uh, affected. I think. What do you mean affected? Like negatively affected? Not negatively, because I'm not trying to structure him negatively. But in terms of, I see this is not his nature. This is not what he what he's here for. Uh, how old is he now? Uh, three, three or two months. Like uh, I'll say, like he just had a chayda like two months ago. Is he in a? Is he in a school already? He's already in a chayda. He's in a special school now, a special non-structured school. Oh, good. Well, our schools in Jerusalem are non-structured till about five or six. Everyone. So, but American schools, some of them are structured because all all American, meaning all the Gentile schools are heavily structured by five years old. They don't really have school before five. But um, a good a good educational system that has kids already from two, three, four, don't have any structure. So he should do great. Especially no, if we set him... Half year. I mean, it's coming this summer now. I don't know where... I, I, the question really is, is there a way to go with a kid like this? Like, for what is my real way to go with him? I mean, he's not structured whatsoever for his future life. No, no, he must learn structure, and 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 you have to train him in structure, or else you're you're you know you it's a crime. Like the kid will be miserable. You definitely have to train him in structure, but it has to be commensurate with his age, and he's not. He's now he's now ready for some structure, but you can't throw structure at him. He'll just he'll bounce. He'll bounce out of it. So you got to start thinking through how to structure him. Um, he does need structure. Um, he should definitely sleep in the same bed every night. Can you do that? Can you get him in the same bed every night? Yeah, sure. That's he has his bed. He has his dedications, but his mind is so. I see how he is. I see you know. I don't want to keep you on it, but yeah, that, let's not overdo this one. You can WhatsApp me privately about it, um, but for sure, you want to you want to be building that that structure for him, um, so that he'll be he'll be settled nicely. He'll be happy. <laughs> we want him to be happy. And I I uh, I had it not been for various interesting things that happened to me in my life. I would have just been, I would have been a guy sleeping under a highway right now. And I really would have had, had I not had all kinds of, oh gosh, negative things in my head that I had to prove otherwise to the world and become this like highly, uh, whatever it is, charismatic guy. And, and, you know, whatever it all it was all the ingredients added up to me being Yom Tov Glazer, but I, had I been, had I not had the need to be as charismatic as I needed to be so that everyone would like me when I was young, I would be sleeping under a highway. And the amazing thing is there's people from my generation in LA who grew up just like me. They're sleeping under highways. <laughs> and I see them when I visit my parents and I'll sometimes sit under a highway with someone or in Venice Beach or whatever. And just, I'll just hang out with a guy for like an hour, you know, I'll get us two sandwiches and sit with him and, because I'm talking to myself. And it's, and it's such a, it's such a bizarre way of thanking God is to see myself 
had I never ever had all my issues. But you should know every bit of structure in my life is only done by others. Someone else has to do it. Even right now, like the, where I'm in, the room I'm in, the Wi-Fi, the code, everything. Someone else did all of it, and someone's always doing all of it. You know, I'm I'm really just. I learned very well. Um, what you'll see, um, I think it's next week or the following week, is we're going to learn how to delegate properly. I think it's the third week. Is delegating because I'm the master delegator. I've delegated my entire structure life to others because I I just missed all the skills. I missed all all of it. So now, um, so I'm blessing your kid, Dovi, that he will not miss all of it, and you'll you'll manage to raise him. And I'm happy to help. I mean, you're we're we're brothers forever, you and I. And uh, anytime you need me for that, uh, I will. <laughs> By the way, I have no advice on how to structure. I just know it has to get done. So, but uh, anything anything I can help with, please. Um, okay, so. We're going to go to relationships now. Um, next week's our workshop. So then you can really figure out if you're a one, two, three, and, and all, et cetera. Are you a three, two, one? Are you, are you a one, three, two? So that's our workshop next week. So we're going to save that. The, um, what, what, what we do need to deal with now is relationships. Now, when it comes to relationships, what you want is ideally opposite styles opposite styles and common settings now again the styles are floor structure and the settings are intellect interpersonal instinct so you want opposite styles similar instinct now my wife and i almost got a perfect relationship but we have we're both flow so we don't have the opposite styles in there so she would she you know she as you know i have no structure she's had to stretch to structure to raise our eight kids <laughs> poor thing and she has no partner you know it's like you know she, i mean i don't i'm happy to do whatever but i need instructions you know to do whatever it is she needs I, and believe me i want to do it and i do it but it's nothing's coming naturally you know and not and it didn't help growing up a, a rich spoiled brat in west la you know with with people you know wipe my nose for me every 10 minutes so so the uh, anyway but the there's the, in relationships you want opposites and style and, and what's amazing you might have noticed uh, in my in those who read the literature about you know in advertising people to subscribe to this month that i said that nothing covers everything like the like god meaning every type of personality trait and every because you know, it's an age-old argument. Opposites attract or likeness attracts. Is it opposite or sameness? What's better? And look at the look at what, you, what we just did. We just set it up that opposites are better when it comes to the style, flow and structure. And sameness works better when it comes to intellect. And why? Why is that? Well, the opposites regarding flow and structure are important because... You need both always. I mean, and this water is worthless without the cup. You know, water's flow. Structure's my cup. And, it, you know, you're not, you're not going to get anywhere without both. You know, this guitar, the strings flow. You know, when I stroke the, when I stroke the strings, it sounds terrible because it's just pure flow. 
But when I touch the fretboard over here, the different places, what am I doing? I'm structuring or limiting the oscillation of the string. In just such a way, looking at the recipient to play the right song at the right time. And you understand, I'm, I'm, I am limiting the flow of those strings such that, meaning structuring them, such that it sounds beautiful. So you always got to have both. And so when it comes to relationships, you also need both. Now, sadly, so many institutions, as I said, and so I'm not going to rant, so many institutions, so many companies are structure-oriented personnel all the way up and down the whole system because someone's hiring for that. But meanwhile, the place will also die within 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Why? Because they don't understand dynamism. And the world's dynamic styles change, you know. Things go from, uh, you know, ties go wide, ties go short. Pants go, you know, bell-bottom. They go, you know, I don't know if they'll ever go back to wide after this whole, you know, this, this gender dysphoria, you know, civilization crash, which happens, you know, when, when a civilization's at its end. So people start losing track of, like, basic binary realities. So... The um, anyway, but but historically, pants got wider and got thinner, and got wider and got thinner, and the um, so there's dynamism. And if a company doesn't have that, those people hired, so they'll they'll just miss they just miss the boat. Then someone else will pick it up who's more dynamic or a new company of structured people, but you know, with their finger on the pulse of uh, you know what's happening today. You know, so ten years later, they'll be gone. So. So the uh, so you really need them both in, the, in relationships, working relationships, in marriage relationships, in friendships. Now, I obviously it's fun if you're a flowmeister and I hang out with a friend who's a flowmeister and like throw it all to the wind. That's a lot of fun. So maybe in friendships it's fun to cruise around with someone who's your who's your style. Um. I mean, I certainly am like, I'm not searching for structured people to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, that's not exactly my, uh, I'm not like looking for that in my relationships. But the, but I certainly know that structured people love coming to my Shabbosty. You know, they, they want to be around the flow person at, at, at my table. Um, when you are the same style, you're going to have to deal with, you know, you're going to have to deal with, with a lot of compromise and it's not easy to compromise relationships and it can breed resentment. You know, Shabbat is coming. It's Friday afternoon. You know, he's, he's leaving the house with his surfboard and she's leaving the house with her yoga mat. And they're like, Who's, who's making Shabbos? And they're both like. And that's two flow people. Um, two structure people. You know, you go to their table. It's like, you know, it's like Darth Vader's table. You know, and, and, and then also think about raising kids. You know, two flow meisters. Kids aren't going to feel safe. There's no structure. And too structured, you know, the kids don't since there's anything human happening in their home. So, you know, being human means a lot of flow. And so 
And so the, uh, I think you got the picture that the style's got to be opposite. Now, what about the, what about the settings? Settings you want as much in common as possible. Now it's hard to hit it on the head. Uh, my wife and I got close in that we're both two, three ones. It turns out her one stronger than mine. So, but thank God her two and three. So, you know, she'd love to talk to me and she'd love to do yoga with me. That's two is talk to me. Three is do yoga with me. And she likes learning with me, but she knows I'll, I'll probably doze off during the learning. And, um, but she's cool. She'll, she'll go learn with someone else. She'll put up a book by herself. And the, and so, and so the, in settings, you want it as much in common as possible. Now you may know someone, think if you know someone like maybe your parents or an uncle or an aunt or your grandparents, where it was a total miss, just a total miss. So you'll see that they eventually, first of all, a lot of compromise or not, <laughs> uh, if they don't compromise, a lot of parallel living. So like, you know, she's going to the, uh, she's going out with friends. He's going to sporting events. Like if he's at three, he wants to go watch, you know, giant, giant toothless, illiterate people bang into each other to move an object from one side of a, of a field to the other. And she's not that interested in that. She actually just wants to, you know, go out to dinner with some friends. And so if they're compromisers, she shows up to the game and he shows up to her, meet her friends. If they're not compromisers, they live parallel lives. Okay. Not the end of the world. They love each other. They've got the kids in common and a house in common and they're building, you know, for the future together. Thank God it's good. But, you know, you don't want to have to be in that situation if you have the choice. So, you know, ideally, we would be dating with those settings in mind to to know that we're looking for those commonalities. Uh, but again, uh, people have different value systems and they might miss it altogether, which is why we're studying so that we can, you know, make sure if if we're advising others or we are we have our own children to marry off or or we ourselves are getting married, we want to make sure that that we actually want to spend the hours of the day doing similar things so that we have a partner in our lives to spend our lives with. And and so so that's uh you know that's super important the settings. Clear? And our final chapter of the night is um is the professions. So so there are flow professions they pay a little less, but flow people don't care anyway. And then there are structure professions. And there are also intellect professions. And there are interpersonal professions. And there are instinctual professions. So they all show up and you, and you can monetize, you know, each one. It's a way to monetize each one. Um, flow professions. Uh, when you're talking intellect. So the, so in the associative mind, the right brain, um, if someone is a, a one, two, three, or one, three, five, we're just focused on what's the number one. So meaning what's the first one. So an intellect person who's flow, 
um, they're not going to care about money at all. They're going to be very philosophical, pensive, and and idealistic, and and they're they're just it's just not going to be their biggest concern about money at all. Um, general intellect people aren't that worried about money. Um, the people who become like these big rich tycoon types—they're always threes, by the way. Um, they're the ones who want their creature comforts and their toys. Um, the ones are more in the ideal realm. Idea realm. Anyway, so one is often an author, philosopher, teacher. Um, they're not great teachers, by the way, but they uh, they wind up often in faculty roles, which is like the exact opposite of what we spoke at the beginning of the class, which was the ninth of the, the ten, ninth sphere, which was connecting to the recipient. So professors, professors are so bad at that, that most professors have what's called a TA, which are teacher's assistants, because they need someone to bridge the, bridge the knowledge to the university kids, because they're just really not in the right position as teachers. But they often are given teaching roles, and that helps pay for their research. Fine. Um, the intellect on the structure side is all the research positions laboratory doctors you know all those scientists and stuff all the scientists are up there um can't even be people who are engineers and stuff like that can be up there although it's better if they have a strong three in them um and again obviously the super rare individual whose balance intellect is going to be like a ceo and a ceo can be you know like google probably has you know tens of thousands of people working for them, but they have one CEO. And so the CEO is just that super rare individual who's intellect decisive. They're making all the decisions. The um, coming down now to the interpersonals on the right side is, um, is all the people who are, um, uh, who are, flow and meaning they're that one's just in the flow and they're um, interpersonal so ideally it would be a person who's a life coach now really ideally it should be a therapist most therapists aren't willing to go to school that long to do the seven years of study so um, but if they're willing to and they got the brains for it so they would make the good therapists, which are, as I know, everyone says are far and few between, but a good therapist would be, um, would be a flow interpersonal. Um, anyone involved in counseling or, or mentoring, uh, like maybe kids at risk or anything, that's all the flow meisters. Now, the, um, though that same interpersonal person are the funnest best teachers so like for example uh one teacher i worked with for many years you can look him up on youtube his name's gav friedman he's a 231 he's a flowmeister and he's he's a lot of fun um he's uh but again teachers really do well there now again they're they should we're talking about teachers who are teaching ideas not structure teachers now anyone who's teaching anyone should be in the in the you know those are the twos they're all teachers 
and uh, meaning that anyone who wants to be a teacher should be, make sure they're first to two before they start teaching, unless they're teaching technical, like yoga. Okay, you don't need them to be interpersonal. Uh, an instrument, someone teaching instruments, you know, that's fine if they're instinctual. Um, now let's go to the left side of interpersonal. On the left side of interpersonal, the structure side would be um, the ideal person is a uh, is a, uh, a physician, like a family practitioner. Those people are, you know, they they know the family, they're interpersonal. You know, unlike the surgeon, they have great bedside manner, and uh, and they're they're warm and fuzzy, you know, and they're and they are able to. Um, really, the the ideal would be well. Uh, I wouldn't go with that, but uh, whatever family practitioner is the best in that, or a teacher of technical skills, math teacher, science teacher. Um, in the middle of those is again, that's going to be a managerial person. So that would be someone who runs a school, or is a principal, or uh, um, you know anyone in managerial position of a social environment. So someone managing social environments would would be that middle interpersonal the um one of the ones i like a lot is uh the the maitre d' or proprietor of a restaurant that's the perfect interpersonal manager and they i mean they have to turn a profit out of food which is really hard to do because every ingredient costs something else and you gotta you gotta make sure it's priced so people can want to come eat. Meanwhile, people come late for the reservations. So you gotta be able to go with the flow. You run out of certain items, you know. So now the menu is changing, and whatever. There's a lot of movement, and you know, and you're feeding. You got a hundred people sitting in your restaurant. Anyone who's tried to make a meal for ten people know what I'm talking about. It's try making it for a hundred now, and and then they they're coming. They're sending back their meal because they it wasn't what they were actually ordered. And, to be someone running that place, you got to be totally in the manager role and very interpersonal to handle everybody. Or you're gonna, I, I've I've been in many restaurants where the the where the person was a, a structure person and not a not a balance in the middle manager, and the and I mean I've even spoken to waiters and waitresses and just said like you're miserable. Man. Like, what are you doing here? And I said to them, like, I realize that you're good at this, but you hate your manager and your managers, you know. I've also spoke to managers where the staff was so rude and so horrible that I've actually said to managers of restaurants or owners of restaurants, I said, listen, bro, you're in the wrong business or you got the wrong job. This place is a disaster. And it's because of you and get yourself out of here. And you, here's my number. Call me. I'll help you find exactly your garden of Eden job, but this ain't it. And you're, you're going to drag this, this branch or this, whatever you call a, of a chain. You're going to drive this branch into the ground or this restaurant into the ground. Um, anytime someone in service is being rude, it's usually their manager. Um, last is the three lower ones and the flow meister down there is, as I mentioned before, it could be a guitar teacher, yoga instructor, Pilates instructor. That's all the flow people. And the, uh, on the left side, you got the left side, you got all the, uh, 
the people who are in technical jobs, like very technical jobs, they are hands-on and technical, and uh, you're, you're really using your body to do it. It's um, plumbers, electricians, uh, builders, but not the kind of builders that are laying bricks. They're on the right. On the left, it'd be more tech, the technicals people. And obviously the managers, you know, manager is, uh, you know, got his big pickup truck and, and uh, or, is, or it could be some lady who runs the studio, the yoga studio or whatever. And that, but the, the manager type is going to really have that three style and they're going to, um, they're going to um, be able to handle all the people working for them, whether it's the technical people or it's the, uh, you know, the people who are just doing the simple, the simple, you know, manual labor stuff. Okay. <laughs> That's professions. And we always end with a meditation. So we'll do it. A quick meditation then. So you can turn off your camera if you want. Certainly double check your mic is muted. I could probably mute everyone's mics. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Somewhere had this mute button. Participants, mute all. Mute all. Okay. Closing your eyes and breathing. Sitting comfortably. for a moment and then breathing out through your mouth. on the oneness that you see when your eyes are closed. You really see nothingness with your eyes closed, but it has no parts. Which makes it one. Thank you. 
and get in touch with the oneness that is God. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Realize that before God created the world, he existed in total oneness. And then for whatever reason, God decided to create the world, so to speak, separate from that oneness. creating the world, it started with first the three hidden parts of God, which are the, you know, what kind of world should I create? That's the associative called Chachma that God put in us, in the image that God put in us. There's many options for how God could have created this world. That's the analytical side, the second of the ten. But then God decided with decisiveness, the third part of the brain, to create the world that we live in. And in fact, the blueprint of this world is the Torah. Our sages said in the Kabbalah, God looked into the Torah and created the world because that was the blueprint of the creation. If you truly understood the Torah, you'd know where to plant tomatoes this spring. You'd also know when Mashiach was coming. virus would end because it's the blueprint and then God created the world with the flow of light into creation exits of the mouth filter my words. There is these worlds that the eternal life has to flow through until our creation can be formed.
but God created in such a way that it's according to the sixth attribute, which is Tiferis, which is that God always has in mind our world to make sure that the ratio of light to filter is exact, similar to the sun coming through the exact amount of atmosphere of ozone to not burn up the earth, but rather to give it light, warmth, photosynthesis. So Tiferis is exactly looking at the recipient of our world. Feeding information into the system so that there's the right amount of filtering worlds that filter out the light. And then the seventh attribute is what keeps it going. That's that the flow should keep flowing history shouldn't stop God put into it this, a flow that just keeps going you know water unless you freeze it keeps flowing that's a keep going perseverance a marathon runner possesses the attribute of Nitzah also great focus and purpose in the attribute of Hode, attribute number eight. And then of course it all has to feed into our world seamlessly and perfectly connecting infinite light into our world which is Yesod the ninth attribute which is the also the Tzadik the holy man or woman that connects heaven and earth just like the letter Tzadik with two hands up to heaven yet firmly planted on the baseline Lastly, it all connects to the recipient, the physical world. Our physical world. Rest your hands on your lap, but turn your palms upward towards heaven. And just let it all soak in that God created the world in these ten ways. They're happening all around you in all things at all times. And they're also in you. You've been given a certain style, whether it's flow or structure. And you've also been given a certain setting, whether it's intellect, interpersonal or instinct. Inhale a deep breath and hold your breath. 
eyes up like you're looking at your eyebrows, even though they're closed. And now release that breath. Palms again facing upward, resting on your lap as you sit in perfect symmetry with the creation. All ten spheres happy in you and around you. Thank you very much for joining Sunday's Live this week. I hope you'll subscribe and be part of everything until Pesach. And I promise to lead you into Pesach, even though it sounds like the subject isn't exactly Pesach. But you can imagine, I'll I'll put on my rabbi hat a little bit to make sure you're going into Pesach free. And um, it's actually Hanukkah Svira. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's when I should have done this, probably, right? But uh, no, it's a so we're, going to, we're going to that the right way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're getting ready for that. So, um, so shalom, everybody. It was a pleasure having you. And again, please, uh, please subscribe and send it to friends or whatever. You can get the recording if you want it. We'll be happy to send it to you. And uh, and uh, blessings, love. Where's Amuka? Blessing from Svat. Where's Amuka Forest? You it's said you're going to be in the forest. Yeah, we're leaving now to the Moko Forest now. We, oh. I sent up, I think I sent some status pictures from there just now. Okay. Shalom, everybody. Lots of love. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.